Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 164. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for listening. Our intro probably doesn't make as much sense that to go along with the topic that we're discussing today. We are taking a new project on where we are going through different Disney rides and attractions, talking about the storytelling, the history, the immersion, just all of the different factors that go into what make Disney rides and attractions so great. Today, I picked our first ride. No surprise. No surprise at all. Peter Pan's Flight. I know everybody, if you've ever listened, is shocked. They can't believe it. It's a classic. It's a classic, and it makes sense um, with our, I guess, our... What theme? Would you call it? Theme. Yeah, I was going to say theme, but I didn't know if that was the right word. So if it's the theme for us... So, yeah, what you can expect out of us, um, we are going to try to push these episodes out as often as we can. However, it is a little bit of a different beast for us to tackle because there's a lot of research that has to go into it, a lot of writing and rewriting. (laughs) It's just different. It's pushing us outside of our comfort zone, which is always exciting to try something new. Yeah, but I do know for a fact that next Monday we will have a interview. Yeah, so we're still doing interviews. We still love getting to know new people within the Disney community, and we're excited to share that with you next Monday. Yeah. All right, are you ready to tackle Peter Pan's flight? I'm ready if you are. Okay, so the agenda that we're going to go through, we're going to talk about the history of the ride, kind of share some commentary, things that stood out for us. Then we're going to go through the scene breakdowns of what the attraction takes you through, kind of the story that it tells you. And then we're going to talk about kind of our personal history with this attraction, different moments if we remember any with them. And then last, something new, and it's a working title, maybe we'll change it, (laughs) but our Neverland score. Um, We can talk more about it when we get there. Immersion is such a buzzword for Disney right now. It is. It's more or less an immersion score, but we try to put our twist on it. Yeah. So that's what you can expect out of us. Let's dive into the history. So Peter Pan's Flight was an original opening day attraction for Disneyland in 1955. Um, And it's one of the few attractions that was both an opening day for Disneyland and for Magic Kingdom, which opened in 1971. What I think is interesting to me is that Peter Pan released in theaters in 1953. So Walt and the Imagineers... I feel like really went out on a limb to do such a new film. I know they didn't have quite the catalog at that point, but such a new film to make it into an attraction. Yeah, it is interesting to think about because typically when we get new rides now, I mean, it takes several years um, to get a ride from a movie. But something else that, you know, we looked up when researching, you know, Peter Pan, the movie, was that it might not have been as much as a gamble as maybe it sounds like because the box office earnings for Peter Pan were crazy. At least I would have to assume for the time, too, it made over $40 million in the box office. So I guess Walt knew that it was a hit 
and that it would be a fan favorite. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the energy to do the math to adjust that for inflation, but I would imagine that would be the equivalent. Surely that would be like a billion dollar movie. Like that's kind of the the this bar that we set now for movies. Mm-hmm. It seems like 40 million would easily surpass that in from 1953 to 2020. Yeah. I mean, when we I just remember when we looked at that number, we thought that that seemed rather large. Mm-hmm. So the ride or versions of this ride are now in every single park besides one. So Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Disneyland Paris, Tokyo, and Shanghai all have a version of Peter Pan's flight. Poor Hong Kong does not have one. Yeah, I wonder why that is. We couldn't really find anything specific. Well, and I was going... To, I, it's probably just because the park is so small. Yeah. And they don't have too much real estate. And I was going to say maybe it's just not a story that connects with that market. But if they put it in Shanghai, I know those are two very different markets between Hong Kong and Shanghai. But mm-hmm. you would at least get the indication that... They like that story. Did it have some popularity? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Hong Kong will get it eventually. Shanghai, of course, is the newest version of this ride, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But I never knew this, that Walt and the Imagineers' original story for this ride was that you as the rider were supposed to be Peter, and you were seeing all of these scenes from the movie through Peter's eyes. But you know what that also makes me think of? What? Is Walt and the Imagineers tried to do the same thing with um, Snow White. What's the official name for Snow White Scary Adventure. That's it. And they tried to do the same thing for that ride in making... They wanted you to feel like Snow White in that movie. So I guess at the time, Walt was obviously very into immersion. He probably thought that that would be the best way to put yourself in the in the ride. Yeah, so ultimately, of course, we know that did not stick. Um, And not surprisingly, many of the riders and the guests got off wondering why Peter did not appear in his own ride. Mm -hmm. So that is just interesting. I feel like you have to make that blatantly obvious if that's the approach that you're going for. You can't leave any room for discussion. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how... I don't know how or why it didn't get translated. Because I guess with the the name of the ride, Peter Pan's Flight, you could kind of maybe infer. Like after listening to that's what Walt intended, like maybe, you know, that's where the name comes from. Like it's his flight. You're flying like he is. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess just just because we've never, obviously we never rode that version. Yeah. So it's never even crossed my mind. Like that you could tell the story in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but after they took, uh, they put Peter into the ride, it's had various updates over the years, but more or less each of the different versions of this ride and all of the different parks, they pretty much are the same story. There's a few minor difference. The most significant ones being the interactive queue that they added in 2014 for Magic Kingdom, which that is... We can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a game changer for kids. And then in Shanghai, because it's the newest and the biggest, best, most expensive probably, <laughs> um, 
all of the different adjectives that you can use for Shanghai, that seats four people instead of two in each pirate ship, and the vehicles have the ability to start and stop hmm. and go you know faster, slower, and stop, which I thought would be really interesting because the one in Magic Kingdom, and honestly, we didn't ride the one in Disneyland, did we? We might have skipped it because if it's anything like the one in Magic Kingdom and the line's always crazy, we probably weren't willing to wait for it. I believe we did skip it. Um, but, you know, it it probably feels like you're slowing down a little bit around the turns mm-hmm. in the Walt Disney World version, but you are going the same speed the whole time. It's a omni-mover, just like Haunted Mansion and a lot of those other Fantasyland rides Yeah. Um, that are put in. So... Last thing that's maybe significant, it's probably pretty obvious, all of the different versions reside in their respective fantasy lands, which I'm surprised there's not like a pirate-themed land anywhere. That is true, because you could do like pirates, you could do Peter Pan, you could include um, like the Little Mermaid in that kind, I mean, right? I mean, I don't know. There probably is a pirate land somewhere, and we just don't know about it. That's true. We're probably just ignorant about it. But it is... It fits with Fantasyland. It does. Yeah. So I think that's all for history. So, Catherine, you're going to take us through the scene breakdown. This one is going to be much shorter than many other attractions, I'd imagine. Yeah, when we really started thinking about this ride, it is probably one of the shorter ones. And it's interesting, too... Um, like when we did go to Disneyland, when we rode the Snow White Scary Adventure and even Mr. Toad's, I mean, all of those kind of original rides are so short. Pinocchio, very short. I mean, it's like you get on, you get right off. And it's almost, it's kind of mind boggling. In Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, they leave you in a bad place. Yeah, we can't even talk about that one. But Um, I guess we'll start. So we didn't include this in our scene breakdowns, but since we said we'd mention it again, let's start with that interactive queue since that was kind of a big game changer, I feel like, for Magic Kingdom. Um, They kind of started doing that with all of their rides, like Winnie the Pooh includes an interactive queue. What else? Uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Maybe that's it. Space Mountain had it for a little while. Yeah, why they did the they take it away? You know, I don't know. I guess we got to research it. We have to research it. But I thought those games were a hit. I mean, it's definitely better than just standing in that stuffy hallway. But I think, oh, Dumbo has the like the playground well, yeah, that's interactive like a, queue. That's a whole different league. Yeah, but I, I think it falls into the same category. But that, um, the whole interactive queue is really cute and you miss it when you fast pass it and i feel like most like disney lovers know that the way to ride peter pan is with the fast pass because the line is always crazy long i mean if you ever see the line less than 50 minutes i feel like it's shocking i mean do you think 50 is pretty solid yeah, well, and I had some thoughts later about like our personal connections to this, uh-huh. thinking about the queue and how long it gets. It really doesn't make sense at all to me. Um, but yeah, I'd say 50 minutes and below, You, if you want to ride it, that's your opportunity. Yeah, but I think the queue is nice because it kind of takes you through 
um, the darling's house, and that's the way that it's interactive. So immersion-wise, I think that's pretty cool um, just because it's a different perspective that I feel like is probably one that would get missed out oftentimes. You know, I feel like when people think Peter Pan, they think more Neverland, and they kind of took a step back to focus on the darling's house. Um, but it's a good way to pass the time. Usually when we do ride it, we kind of skip right through that, even if it's like the first ride that you ride in the morning. But it's just fun to walk through. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's uh, it's really enjoyable. I think that would be my suggestion for most people. Like especially a lot of times we're talking to Disneyland people who are coming to Walt Disney World mm-hmm. for the first time. It's like it's not worth waiting an hour for to go through that queue. But if you see it, like if you run there first thing in the morning and you get to, you know, do a brisk walk through it and at yeah. least take it in, <laughs> it's worth seeing it what it's for. But it's it doesn't justify the wait. The wait. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's fair. Um, so as far as actually getting on the ride, I think there is a wow factor getting into the pirate ship just because of the way that the ride itself runs you know it's attached to the ceiling um so i think that plays into the popularity it's just a different kind of car that you're getting into Um, but the first thing you do is you start by flying over london and of course flying over nana which is always a favorite scene don't you think yeah i love nana (laughs) nana's the goat greatest of all time So you fly over London, um, and then they take you over Neverland. Between those two, if you had to pick fly over London or fly over Neverland, which one would you pick? Um, It's probably Neverland, but I like the transition with the second star to the right. And I mean, but I like seeing in England, you can pick out Big Ben and other, you know, landmarks Mm -hmm. in London. But Neverland is what you're there for. Yeah. I agree. I think it's a cool idea because it does give you kind of that same feeling that you're like in an airplane and you're looking down at the town like from a different perspective, which is interesting. Um, But I would also have to pick Neverland. So in Neverland, you get to go through um, the Indian village of Tiger Lily. You see the Mermaid Lagoon. Um, You get to see what else? Peter and Hook are up on a sword fight. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Just in Neverland, am I missing anything? The Indians, the Mermaid Lagoon. Uh, I don't think so. The Lost Boys. Yes, huh? The oh. Lost Boys. There we go. Um, Out of all of those, I feel like my favorite has always been Tiger Lily because when me and my sister were little, we always loved Tiger Lily and Wendy, of course, all the girls. But Tiger Lily was a personal favorite. I can see that. The mermaids were kind of mean, so we didn't really like them that much. Well. They're pretty, but they're a little mean. They're mean to Wendy. To each their own. Okay. Um, so then my favorite part of the ride is when you are actually on Hook's ship, and you see Peter and Hook fighting, and then you make the turn, and Peter won, and... The pirates are now kind of thrown all over the ship. I think that's the most, I guess, like immersive kind of part of the movie because that's kind of the climactic. 
of the ride because it's the most climactic part of the movie. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, I like seeing all three of the darling children like tied up around the, what do you call that? The mast. The mast of the ship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a cool scene. But but yeah, I mean, seeing that Peter won and then you turn the corner, I guess have you gotten to that yet where you well, see Hook? Said. Okay, I, I'm following now. I, you lost me for a second, but I'm following now. So yeah, when you turn the corner and you see Hook, you know, with his legs stretched out, bowed out over TikTok, I mean, that's the coolest part. That's your favorite scene? Yeah. I like that one, too, because I feel like TikTok, I don't know, he's he's like a humorous part. He's like the villain's villain, you know? So that's fun. And then it's over. Yeah. So you know who is really absent from this ride? Who? Tinkerbell. You know, she kind of is. I'm trying to think of if you really see her. I know she's in the nursery when you're first taking off. Mm-hmm. And obviously you need her pixie dust to fly. She's probably in... I know she's in more scenes than you realize, and because she just has to be so small, scaled to the other characters, you probably don't notice her as much. Mm-hmm. But I always think it is so interesting that Tinkerbell... There's so much merchandise of Tinkerbell. Oh, I mean, she's she's a very popular character. Like, I mean, you meet her in Main Street Theater, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I feel like, is a you meet Tinkerbell and Mickey Mouse. Like, yeah. what an honor. <laughs> to be with Mickey Mouse. And to be completely honest, sometimes, and this isn't me being dumb, it's just because I don't associate it with it too much, I forget that Tinkerbell is from Peter Pan. Hmm. I mean, I know she had their their own standalone fairy. Were those movies or TV shows or both? Maybe, or? maybe both. That was a little after our childhood. Yeah, I never saw any of those with the Pixie Hollow. Pixie Hollow, yeah. But I don't know. I always find that so interesting that when I think about Peter Pan, the movie that I love so much, a lot of times I just think about Peter, Hook, Smee, and the Darling Children. Mm-hmm. That's valid. So I guess the last thing I had to say about just the ride as a whole, I do like that in this ride it does have like a clear ending. You know what I mean? Because sometimes when you get off of those dark rides like Mr. Toad, like it just kind of ends abruptly. And I feel like this ride is nice because it does have like a clear beginning, middle, and end with you know, Hook being defeated and then, you know, there with TikTok, you can tell, like, he's obviously not in a good place. So there is, like, a consecutive storyline and one that makes sense. Yeah, I appreciate that, too, because there are quite a few other dark rides that, like, not, nothing is resolved here. Yeah. Like, we're still in a dangerous situation. <laughs> and even, yeah. And it, it just makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Because even, like, with Winnie the Pooh, that's one that kind of stands out. That it, like, ends, like, hooray! But it's like, did it really end? Like, it was all, it's kind of jumbled. Yeah. Like, the story. Well, those heffalumps and woozles will throw you out maybe, of sorts. That's Maybe that that's what it is. I think so. Well, good deal. So that is the history and also the scene breakdowns of Peter Plan's fight. 
Peter Pan's flight. <laughs> we will take a quick break and hear a message from our brand new partner. And then we will be back. We're going to share our personal history with this and give it our Neverland score. Our friend Kelly, who owns Karma and Kismet, can help you bring home some Disney magic through stationery, art prints, home decor, apparel, and special event items. She is an amazing designer and has so many different wonderful products that are inspired by things from the parks, or the movies, or Disney classic things like Dole Whips and Mickey balloons and Mickey bars and all kinds of stuff like that. And Valentine's Day is coming up. It'll be here before you know it. And honestly, all holidays, but especially Valentine's Day, is one of those that always seems to sneak up on us. So it's a good idea to go ahead and check something off your list for your loved ones. Um, Kelly has created some really cute Valentine's Day cards. And Brendan and I actually love sending cards to people that we love. I think it's just a fun thing that we always enjoyed growing up so if you need some cards for the disney fans in your life um there are some really cute designs there's one specifically for galentine's day because i like to send cards to my friends from college um another one that i really liked was the mine the seagulls from Nemo. Uh, Nemo, yes, because that's always a cute one. So there's a lot of good designs, um, things that are very unique. You obviously can't find anything like that in Target. So we would highly recommend that you reach out and connect with Kelly. Yeah, you um, left off the best one, though. What's the best one? It was Tony Stark's sunglasses that he gave to Peter, and it said, I love you, 3,000. Tears. Automatic <laughs> tears. Without a doubt. That's what you're going for on Valentine's Day. So for your extra special someone, you can get that one. Yes, for sure. So if you are interested in any of these products or anything that we didn't mention, we highly suggest going over and checking out Kelly's website. You can find it at karma in the letter kismetdesigns.com. We'll put that link in our show notes or search on Etsy for karma, the letter N, kismet. And you can find it that way. Yeah. Then on Etsy... One last step. When you're checking out, use the code DETOUR10 and you will get 10% off your order. So we are so thankful for Kelly offering that up for our Detour to Neverland listeners. Last thing is you can hear her full story of when we interviewed her on episode number 137. We had a blast chatting with her. Always. So back to it, I guess. Yeah. So... Next, we have our personal history section. Um, this one doesn't stand out to me as much as maybe other attractions do, but I do know every single time that we went to Walt Disney World growing up, my family rode Peter Pan's flight. I do not remember it having a really long queue, like in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, and maybe it was just, honestly, the whole time I was growing up, I don't remember crowds and lines quite like today. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I would agree that this was a staple for my family, mostly because my sister and I were wimps growing up and we didn't ride anything scary or big or fast. Um, so this one was a good one for us. It's also, I know both of us traveled with our grandparents to Disney World. This is also a perfect grandparent ride. I agree. It is. It's not jerky. It's very slow. Um, easy on and off. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing that I remember about this growing up, and nobody quote me on this, I really <laughs> quote my mother on this, but she at one point told me that when she, when her parents took her to Disney World, I think it had to have been in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, but pretty soon after it opened, maybe mid 70s. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think she was like a preteen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's lost in the story. <laughs> she mentioned that the sensation of flying on Peter Pan's flight was so abstract and so strange for people in that time period that they had like barf bags available <laughs> to the people riding it because it was so thrilling for that time period, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of some of those other like original rides. I mean, it would be very different, you know, in some of the different like perspectives of like flying over um, London and things like that. I mean, I guess I could I could maybe see it because you like feel like you're higher up than you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Like early motion sickness, (laughs) I guess, you know, like some people get that looking at screens I don't know. That just seems crazy. If anybody else has any fact, you know, if you have any experiences. Any family members who went then. Yeah. I'd be interested because I've never read that anywhere else. Yeah. Um, But I was told that. Um, And the last thing, like, obviously Peter Pan is very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's one of your favorite movies. Just not... Why? I mean, I like some of the message and I like, obviously, the idea of never growing up because we're still kids at heart. Um, But not quite like it's not the same level of fandom that you have. Yeah. I mean, like we've got a Peter Pan quote on our wall. The microphone is sitting on a Peter Pan mouse pad right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm all in on Peter Pan. Yeah. So I feel like it's almost hard for me to experience this attraction like someone who doesn't isn't obsessed with the story and the message of peter pan mm-hmm. so i feel like everything that i say about this has mm-hmm. to be taken with a grain of salt because i come from a space where like peter is my hero and anybody who slanders him you mm-hmm. included i don't slander him that show once upon a time has ruined peter pan now people are saying that in the cartoon he was a jerk oh my goodness so i don't like that Okay. Just let that be known. It's known. Okay. But it is a good ride. And I think, I guess that's where we kind of get to our Neverland score. So should we explain how that works? Yeah. So the components that we listed that go into a Neverland score are the ability to take you out of reality. I guess, aka immersion. The story that you're being told. The re-rideability of it, the effects and technology, which I'm still on the fence of whether or not we include that. It was my idea. I'm including it. And just the emotional attachment or the emotions that it draws out of you. Mm-hmm. So based on all of those components, and what we're going to do with these is we're going to rank all of the rides and attractions that we do. Based on this score. So no pressure. 
It's going in the official record So it's going to be book. a running list. So I can't, like, change my mind later. Is that what you're saying? Correct. This is official? Yeah. So with all that in mind, what is your score out of 10? Okay, so before I tell you my score, I'm going to kind of tell you my mindset, I guess. I do think it does a really good job of taking you out of reality and telling you a story. I think, to me, those are the highlights of this ride. Um, Just because the effects and the technology, like, other than the queue, and I know they've added some little, you know, lights and things recently um, to try to beef it up, but, you know, there's not a ton there. Um, Rewritability, I like the ride, but honestly, and it might have a lot to do with just the weight, but it's not one that we ride every time. Honestly, when we rode it in um, October with our niece and your family, that's probably the first time we rode it in a really, really long time. So I don't think it has great rewritability. Um, oh, man. So I guess my score is going to be a six and five tenths. 6.5. I couldn't say 0.5 because I was once a math teacher. Mm, okay. Common Core is taking over mm-hmm. our podcast. I think all those are valid. I mean, I feel the same way about most of them. It's not an attraction that when we leave for a trip, if we didn't write it, that I'm upset about. Yeah. There are ones that fall into that category that I really feel like we missed out if we didn't ride something. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. Um, And honestly, I base all of this off of just how you feel once you get off of it. Like, do you feel inspired? Do you feel whatever emotion that you're searching for? Mm -hmm. And I really want to feel that with this ride. But I honestly think it's just too short to, like, get you into it. That's true. Yeah. And there is... I mean, there's kind of a lot going on. There's a lot for you to look at throughout the ride. Yeah, I agree. So maybe if we went through the actual queue, that would help out with that. Um, But factoring in all of those things, I will give it... I'm actually going to change my score. Okay. I'm going to give it a 7, an even 7. Okay. A 7 and 0 tenths. (laughs) Um... Which I think is fair because I really enjoy it, but it's not the perfect attraction. I think I, I think that's fair. I do like the changes that they've made to it over the years. Mm-hmm. I like the interactive queue, even though we almost never see it. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything that they could do to it to make it at a higher level? I mean, of course... Then you get into the discussion of how much do you change what Walt designed himself. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. It, You know, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it kind of is what it is. Because, yeah, part of me is like if any of you have been to Six Flags, there's a Superman roller coaster where you're flying like Superman. Yeah, I'd love to lay down and go on a roller coaster <laughs> and fly through London and Neverland like Peter Pan. That's not realistic, though. Yeah. 
So I don't really, nothing really stands out to me that like, oh man, I wish this scene was different or. Or like if they could do this, it would take it to the next level. Yeah. I mean, I think it tells the story of the movie pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, more Nana is the only thing that I could ask for. So there we go. More Nana and maybe it would get that half that you took away. I also always missed the TikTok that's on your left whenever you're getting whenever you're getting off the ship whenever you're leaving. Have you seen him there? I don't I maybe on like the mural on the wall? No, he's like a real figure. Hmm. A real crocodile. <laughs> I guess I'll have to pay more attention. I guess it's not, it doesn't stand out to me. Because you're always looking to the right when you get off. Yeah, because you're about to get off. But he's right there on your left. What is he doing? Smiling. Just, just chilling? Just looking at you. Oh, okay. You know, when we were doing research, I, um, I talked about a hidden Mickey. Oh, where's the hidden Mickey? Um, it said when you first get on the ride, as you're like going into... Um, like the nursery scene and everything, there are three chocolate chip cookies on a table to your left that make a Mickey. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it for myself, so I'll have to look for that next time too. So cookie Mickey and TikTok. We are the worst hidden Mickey finders of all time. Oh, yeah. We never look for them. Never. Because we never find them. Yeah. So I think we've just given up. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this episode. It was fun. I think it's a it's a rough draft. This is a concept that we're going to keep working on. If you guys have any feedback or advice on different ways to tackle this, um, then please feel free to reach out. Our goal in this, and tell me if this is what you're viewing as well, I want to just shed some light on how you can maximize your experiences on these rides. So understanding the history, understanding the storytelling, And just talking through how we perceive them, I hope, will help other people. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, I think that's it. That's it. Um, So, since Brendan got to choose Peter Pan's flight, I was in charge of choosing our next um, ride to look into. And I thought about it long and hard. I knew I wanted to pick something from Animal Kingdom just to switch it up and because it's my favorite park. Um, And ultimately, I decided to go with Kilimanjaro Safari. Jumbo. Jumbo. Yes. What do you say when you leave? Oh. Quaharini. Yeah, if you didn't put me on the spot, I would have thought of it. Quaharini, everybody. Hope you are having a wonderful week. And we will chat with you next Monday for an interview. And then if our Kilimanjaro episode is ready by then, we'll drop two episodes next week. If not, you'll know where to find it. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for listening and we will chat with you soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.